Hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry. We're going to help close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, you cracked me up. That is awesome. Um, we are talking and have been talking uh, for the last several episodes about evil, suffering, injustice, chaos, these, uh, these objections that naturally get raised anytime you talk about the way of Jesus, and um, it's, it's sort of the, the, the traditional kind of pushback. And I don't want to just make it sound philosophical. It's, 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 you know, it's very real in people's lives. People suffer. People go through all kinds of pain and heartache. And as a result, they find it very difficult um, to believe that there's a good God out there uh, or an all-powerful God who is on their side, who is with them, all of those kinds of things, because everything potentially in their human experience, might um, suggest otherwise. And so uh, we've been talking about how to deal with all of those, Robbie, over the last several weeks. And, um, you know, finally today, I thought we'd just sort of, you know, bring it down to its most fundamental level. Um, you know, and, and this really, I think, goes to the root of like when people are asking the question, why do these things happen? Why do these things exist? You know, we've tried to really address some of the nuances around each of these issues, whether, again, it's chaos or it's evil or it's suffering or it's injustice. But fundamentally, when you get all the way down to sort of the, the, the foundation of this really important question, what you, what you, where you end, if you're going to follow the, the Bible, you're going to follow what Jesus actually says, is that the fundamental diagnosis is sin. Mm-hmm. Why, why do all of these things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people in our world? Why do bad things happen in our world? Just period. The reality is, is what we're talking about is, is sin. And sin is not just a, a choice that we make, like, oh, I lied today, or oh, I stole something today, or oh, I had a bad thought today. It's, it's really uh, the way Jesus describes sin is it's, it's, it's a power. It's an enslaving, oppressing spiritual power in the world that um, every human being suffers under. We're all born into it. We're all born under the tyranny of this power, and it is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we are saved. And so um, saved from from the power that that power is broken in our lives, we can actually live differently. We can live for Christ and live the way that he wants us in the world. So so when we, um, how, so just to kind of help us understand like how to talk about this, Robbie. So, I mean, obviously you and I believe that that's what we, that's where we kind of understand that frames how we think about right. all of life and all of these different things. But again, you have a student who comes to you, freshman kid, things have happened in their life. They're asking you these questions. How, how do you talk about sin at like a, a just kind of a, a, a how, how do you, how do you help that kid, that student understand the nature of sin, its pervasiveness, all of those things, and and how that student can find freedom from all of that in Christ. What, what, how, how do you have that conversation? <laughs> it's a it's a lengthy conversation. Yeah, yeah right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and we're going to assume... I give them a three-step process. Right. We're going to assume that's not like... The, yeah, we're going to assume that you have a relationship. We're going to assume a lot of things here because obviously good. someone comes up to you and is like, for the first time you're meeting, hey, Robbie, tell me about this. And you're going to be like, you're a sinner. No, we right. all understand. That's not the approach to take. But I'm just saying that let's say you have a relationship with this kid. Let's say you've been maybe even talking about some of the things we've been talking about. Right, right. And now you're at a point where you're going to introduce this whole idea of what is sin what is it all about? What is sin's impact on that student? And, and, and how do they find, again, freedom from this power in their lives? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you 
predicated that on having yeah. a relationship yeah. because the funny thing is, is I probably get asked more from students who don't know me as well, those oh, kinds of questions really? than the ones Why who do. Because I think there's safety in what they perceive as anonymity. Oh, gotcha. Sure. You know, if yeah. you don't know the person all that well and they think, right. well, you know, I think that's why, yeah, I, I think that's why people feel like uh, they can draw nearer to God away from their sort of home situation. And, yeah. and it's easier to sort of talk about God with a total stranger sometimes and so sometimes students do who like they're not even my student will right. will ask something like that they'll say well how do i know if something is sinful right. or how do i defeat this sin and i always have to go uh hi my name's Robbie <laughs> you know yeah, like, like right. yeah, yeah. let's back up yeah, because let's back the train up sure getting to getting to truth i think requires at some level a, a relational equity that you build up over time. Yeah, to definitely, be able to definitely trust. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people don't, I mean, I, I read, you know, years ago I read about, you know, the difference between like a modern uh, uh, a worldview and a postmodern worldview right. is that in the modern worldview, we place our trust in like institutions and we place our trust in, in sort of history and in data and in facts and an object, objective truth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But in a postmodern world, we, we sort of reject all of those things. And what we do is we, we will only consider something an authority if we can trust the person who is sharing the information with us. Isn't oh, that interesting? It's yeah. so like before, like I would consider like, let's say the church to be an authority because sure. I could trust the institution. But in a postmodern world, I don't trust the institution because the institution has done all these things and lost my trust. So the only way right. I'm going to trust the authority is if it's someone who comes to me that I know personally and can trust them. And so I like, I like what you're saying there and that, yeah, you, you got to have relationship you gotta have first. Something. Otherwise you're not, you're going to dismiss what I say anyway sure. on some level. And right. that's not to say that I'm, I abdicate if somebody right. I don't know comes up and says, hey, I hear you work at a Christian yeah. high school. Can, right. can I talk about God? And right. go, well, I don't even yeah. know you. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. so in talking about sin, I think one of the strategies I go to a lot, it, it echoes the words of Jesus, but I found that a lot of students don't like to have quoted scripture just thrown at them right. out of context. And it, it can become very easy in the church. I think particularly like you and I have been mm-hmm. raised in the church. We've walked with right. God for a while. It's easy to find yourself quoting scripture and expecting whoever yeah. you're talking to to sort of jive with that right. and go, oh yeah, I know. I remember that. And so I, I actually try to talk about the principles that Jesus says and, and try to echo what Jesus says, but sometimes with language that doesn't sound so biblical. Mm. I know that sounds weird, mm-hmm. but when, when, Kids ask about sin, and I'll say, well, tell me, tell me who you want to be. Hmm. I'll just start there. And everybody wants to be a kind person, a good right. person. And I say, right. okay, uh, well, how, what metric do you use? How do you right. know when you're, you're hitting that? And how do you know when you're falling short right. of whatever that is? If yeah. you want to be a good person, kind person, I'll say, well. And we have ourselves having this biblical conversation right. without the language of the Bible. Right. And so totally. I tend to ask questions like, do you think um, it's possible to be perfect? Mm -hmm. And do you recognize perfection when you see it? Are you aiming for that? Or is that something that is just totally impossible? And so you're you're contenting yourself with less than perfection, but better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. And to try to get them to the point of realizing their their goodness is always short of Mm -hmm. another definition of goodness. Mm. And it's always going to be better than somebody else's definition right. of goodness. And so by their own language to talk about your predicating your 
being good. You're being mm-hmm. happy. You're living in your full life or, you know, I can't stand the phrase, the best version of yourself. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But you're doing that as long as you can find people whose lives you consider lesser than yours or whose actions you mm-hmm. consider less good than yours. But we never compare up mm-hmm. because that makes us feel bad. Yeah. So when I, that's how I get to this idea of sin and go, yeah. well, what if, what if you have this thing in you that recognizes every time you do something mm. that's less than the ideal and the ideal, you have a knowledge of it, even if you can't articulate it and you've had that since birth. Mm. And that's, that's kind of my in right there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that biblical, I'm yeah. quoting Ecclesiastes 3.11. I'm getting to Jesus's sermon on the Mount, right. you know, and it's, but as soon as I go, well, you know, in Matthew five, Jesus actually, you know, right. you actually are a murderer, right? You know, th- that that tends to shut down the conversation pretty quickly. Right. So I yeah. try to be gentle, try to ask a lot of questions, try to use their language, and get them to the principles and truths of Jesus. Um, sometimes just using their own language. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I think for me, you know, working with you know adults, you know, the way that you again, you you got to go th- the way I look at it, you're kind of gonna going through all these layers. Mm-hmm. Right, because at the at the most foundational level, this is this is the problem. This is what the Bible says is the problem with humanity. Right, it's sin. That's the issue. And we can talk about evil. We can talk about suffering. We can talk about injustice. And we can talk about chaos. And we can talk about all these things. But after you've kind of trends, you know, you've, you've gone and gone through all of those levels, and you get down to sort of a fundamental place. I got to this place the other the other week with with a, with a couple that I was spending some time counseling in their marriage, and. And, you know, again, they're giving me all the reasons why they can't be together, right? Mm. I mean, this happens to me with some degree of frequency, right? Here are all the, that's why they end up in my office, right? Here are all the reasons we can't be together. And, and they're legitimate reasons. They're not illegitimate. I mean, they're, they're really struggling, right? Yeah. You know, but fundamentally, like we, we had this long conversation and fundamentally we get like all the way down, all the way through their issues. And then fundamentally, like I come down to, and I say, okay, so can we talk about like, like we've now hit bedrock, yeah. And fundamentally, can we talk about the issue that is tearing you apart? It's sin. Right. You all both, those other things are products. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are all symptoms. I mean, yeah. you both fundamentally are choosing to take a sinful approach to the other person rather than um, a, a, a Christian approach, rather than a, 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 you know, the, the way of forgiveness or the way of reconciliation or all the things that Jesus says that we are to do as we relate one to another, right? This is how we actually defeat the power of sin. We defeat the power of sin by actually doing doing what Jesus tells us to do, which is to forgive. Right. It's to reconcile. It's to push beyond our differences. Yeah. You know, and 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 you know, they both kind of looked at me and I was like, "So, like at the end of the day, this is fundamentally what you have to decide." I can give you all kinds of techniques on how to communicate better and manage your conflict better and, sure. you know, whatever. Have good conversations, healthy conversations. We could talk about all of those things. But fundamentally, you have to decide, am I going to love this man or love this woman the way that Jesus loves them? Like, you've got to answer that question. Right. Because if you can't answer that question, then it's probably not worth our time to sit down and teach you all these techniques because it'll be like putting lipstick on a pig to some extent. I mean, right. Yeah. You're just, there's no way to, as Jesus says, to clean the outside of the cup right? without addressing what's on the inside. 
And so you got to fundamentally address what's on the inside. So when we talk about like, and again, we're, it can sound trite, so I get it. And I always tell people, it's not trite, it's, it's, it's serious. When people say, what is wrong with the world? What is wrong with humanity? The Christian answer fundamentally is sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sin. It, it, this is it. And again, that's not trite. That is being just straightforward and honest and, and then to say, and then they say, okay, so what then do we do with sin? Well, here's the, again, the Bible's answer is we don't do anything with sin. God does. Sure. And this is not about a naive approach to the problems of our world. This is not trying to minimize the problem of evil, suffering, injustice, these kinds of things. This is not trying to say that we shouldn't pass laws or do other things in society to make for a more just and, and righteous society or community or these kinds of things. But it is saying that fundamentally, the answer that we're looking for really is Jesus Christ coming into every single human heart mm. and setting them free. Yeah. Like on a fundamental level, that's what has to happen if we're going to see an end to evil in our world or yeah. an end to injustice in our world. And of course, we all know that's, you know, we, as a, from a Christian perspective, we know that's not going to happen in its totality until Jesus returns. But we also believe that it will happen in part mm. through the lives of individual believers and through communities of churches, um, you know, in and around uh, the, the world that yeah. are operating in Jesus's name. And so I think, you know, fundamentally, you do have to get there and you do have to help people understand, like, you know, you kind of hit, hit bedrock and now fundamentally here we are. I think it's so. It's too, it's, it's important to recognize that, like you said, we're born in... Into it. Into it. So, so give and people, yeah, give people a read on what we mean when we talk about sin. Because I think some people think of sin as, again... Like, oh, it's like the choices that I make. It's outside them. Yeah, or it's outside me or whatever. So give, give them a, a sort of a, a right. Christian. Again, Jesus, when we say Christian, what we mean is this is how Jesus understood the world. Right. So, so how did Jesus diagnose the human problem? I think it's, we think of sin as something that's outside of us that we, we do, but that's not who we are. Yeah, right. And I think the Bible inverts that and says, yeah. no, it's, actually who yeah, you are that's right. you're born in that and i remember learning about when you read the psalms david uh was it 51 mm-hmm. when he talks about being oh, yeah. born in iniquity yep. i was born in iniquity and conceived in iniquity and actually. asking like born into sin what is what is the difference between iniquity mm-hmm. and sin and having my mom say well iniquity is it's sort of like sin that defines you hmm that it's this pattern of repetition, repetitious sin to the point that that's your propensity is to that thing and that, that defines your character. Because huh. we tend to think of sin as a one-off. Right. Like it's sort of singular. Right. And so we go, well, I sin, the singular action, whereas iniquity is like this pattern of representation almost. Um, so when Jesus tells us that we, you know, we need to repent and turn from our sin, it's this, it's who we are. Are the idea that we can be good mm-hmm. is this through God's common grace we get this we get these opportunities to yeah. mirror God's goodness, but ultimately left to our own devices, we are going to choose like Eve to be our own God. Yeah, yeah. And and that, like you said, it sounds so reductionist to right. say, well, yeah. the problem is sin, but the problem fundamentally, when you look at what sin is, and I know we can talk about missing the mark and an archer's yep. term and all this sort of thing, but ultimately. 
Satan tempts Eve through this idea of you can be your own God. You can be like God, discerning good from evil. And she goes, yes. And when we look in the mirror and realize that we want to be our own God, Mm. and what we're doing in that moment is we're determining for ourselves what we believe to be Mm -hmm. good and right and true, and we don't hold ourselves morally culpable for anything because we can rationalize everything, like we said last podcast, Mm -hmm. then... This is why most people think they are good people fundamentally and yep. occasionally do something yep. wrong in which they've got no escape from, you're right, I I totally went against yeah. a world sort of understanding of what's wrong. And that's, that's why Jesus' ways are so mm-hmm. radical because he goes, you can't run away from it. It's, yeah. it's embedded into you. And when you do sin, it's a product of what's inside. It's not... Mm-hmm. It's not something that goes against what's inside and you did this one weird thing. No, it's it's who you are and and it's what comes out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, he 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 fundamentally helps us understand that the human condition that we are born into and um again it's it's I you know, I, I hear what your you said your mom was telling you about. Yeah, yeah it, it I I hear what she's saying. The way I think about it is and I think the way that, that the Bible describes it is, again, sin is sort of talked about in two different ways. There's sort of two different facets to it. There is sin with like a capital S mm-hmm. that is a power in this world that enslaves every human being from the moment they're conceived, Okay, right? And then there are sins, small s, right? right? Those are the things we do, the feelings we have, the thoughts we think, right, right on a kind of a daily basis. Some of them may be besetting sins in the yeah. sense that, like, they're the things that we are sort of a predilection for or whatever it might be, right? But, but those are like the, the, the way that, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're obviously um, responsible for those things, we're culpable for those things, but, but they are the symptom of this much larger, larger. problem. Like you're saying, this is, uh, the, 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 this is uh, about our nature. Right. We have a sin nature, meaning our, our, our nature is naturally oriented away from God, mm-hmm. naturally oriented um, towards self, naturally oriented to be in rebellion against our Creator. Like That's what sin as a power does, is it warps and perverts and corrupts. Like This is the language right? that's often associated yeah. with sin. And and I think it's really important that we understand that, like you were saying, like this is not just something that we do and oh we make a mistake, but ultimately, like fundamentally, we're like a good person. No, 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 no. That's not how the Bible talks about it at right. all. We are fundamentally a broken person, a warped person, a per, a, a, a corrupt person. Which doesn't mean that we're not capable of any good. Right. We are. Yeah. That's clear. That's clear. But fundamentally, our desires are warped in a particular direction that is away from God, and because they're warped in a particular direction that is away from God, as long as we are in that condition, then we can do nothing that is glorifying to the Lord. We, can, we, we can't do anything that is going to be honoring to God on some level. Why would you want to? Right. Right? When you're trapped off into that condition. And that's why there is so much in the world that is broken. That is why the world itself is broken. Creation itself is broken, and why the you know the, the humanity's relationships around the world are so broken, and like all of these things are fundamentally because sin is a power that is operational in our world that exists and it exercises tyrannical power over the lives of real human beings mm-hmm. and keeps them 
enslaved to a particular way of life, a particular way of thinking that is, again, oriented away from God. Right. And as a result, they commit sins. Yeah. Right? If that makes sense. Right? So... You know, like and that's Bible. helpful for folks because, again, it, it, just because you go to confess to the priest or, or you spend time in the morning confessing your sin or on a Sunday morning when we have like a little, you know, 30 seconds of silence for the confessional prayer and, right. and we're confessing specifically, we should do all those things, by the way. But, but just because you're doing those things doesn't mean that you've really... Address the issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so so Robbie to that effect, what does it mean to address then the issue? We're talking about what the Bible would call a heart transplant. Yeah. Uh, 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 I will give you a new spirit, says the Lord. Right. Yeah. He's talking about fundamentally changing our nature mm-hmm. so that we will no longer sin commit sins in that right. sense, right? Right. And, and, um, and how does the Bible describe that? What does Jesus say about the new nature? How do we get that? Yeah, I mean, you know? the language he uses is rebirth. Right, yeah, right, and, exactly. Right, yeah. And this wonderful, it's, it's so refreshing. I think of, I've got a friend who talks about the fruit of the Spirit, yeah. that it's singular, and yet there's this list. Yeah. And so he calls it the tutti-frutti tree. Because the the singular fruit of love, joy, yeah. peace, patience, yeah. kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control has has many facets to it. Yeah. Singular in nature. So you, you don't receive the Spirit, and yeah. you only get love and joy. Right, right. Like, it's, it's the whole enchilada. It's the yeah, whole deal. Right. And similarly with sin, like what you're saying, the, yeah. the fruit of evil in our lives is multifaceted. Yep, that's right. And there's anger and yeah. deceit and lust yeah. and all these different things. And so Jesus talks about casting off the old self and putting on the new mm-hmm. self. And he talks about this robe of righteousness that we receive when, when we're indwelt with the Spirit. And it really is, I mean, the act of baptism is this idea right, of right, dying right. to your right. old self and being resurrected as, yep. a new, as a new person, as a new creation. And right. it's, it's one of those things that sounds so churchy mm-hmm. to talk about with right. somebody you and I have both talked about having atheist friends and yep. how that's good for us yep. because it makes us reconsider yeah. the manner in which we talk about something. Right. So when I talk to students or friends who aren't familiar with that, I tend to say, well, it, it changes your desires. Yeah. It, whereas desire for self, desire in the sin nature self is I should be first. Yep. I should get what I think is best for yep. me, even at the cost of you um, what can I do to quote unquote get ahead? And most people go, you know, I want this life that other people are going to be jealous of and doesn't matter what the mm-hmm. cost is to get there, even other people's delights and that sort of thing. Whereas when you have this new heart, when you get this new life, it, it, it's, I mean, all you, all you can do is speak in metaphor, right? I see, you know, you talk about, right. well, it's like your eyes are open. It's right. like you're seeing in color. It's you suddenly learn to die to self mm-hmm. and deny self. These are words of Jesus that right. you go. Yeah. And it's not that you do those things to get Jesus. Right. You receive the spirit and you do those things in response right. out of gratitude for what Jesus did to you. Right. It can sound a little preachy when we use what we call like Christianese mm-hmm. in the Christian world. Like, yeah, born again Christian or um, spirit filled Christian or, you know, all the different lingo that we have. But it is interesting to me. That that's the language Jesus uses. 
Right. So on some level, while yes, it's it's sort of over time become cliche, and and because you have Christians around the world who maybe use it flippantly hmm. or hypocritically, right. it loses a little bit of its of its power mm-hmm. on some level. And yet on another level, it's still fundamentally true. It's still fundamentally the 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 case is still fundamentally maybe the best way to talk about it, right? Yeah. I mean, how else are you going to talk about a new nature than by talking about being born again? Right. It, that was just as confusing, oh, by the way, to Nicodemus, right. who Jesus was talking to, a religious leader, than it is to my friend Saul down at the tailgate. Yeah. Like, it's baffling to both of them, mm-hmm. okay? Because everybody knows you can't be born again, but that's the whole point of the metaphor, is it's it's not about going back to into our mother's womb. It's about being born again from the inside out, with this new nature, this new heart, this new thing that God only God can do. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, like because it's something only God can do, it's it's miraculous, and therefore by definition kind of defies human categories, right? Yeah. When we start to talk about it, you know. And I think that's critically important for people to understand because, like, again, when people come at you and or they come at us and they say, "Oh, you're talking about how the way of Jesus is better and and than our way," and yet here's my objection: evil and suffering and injustice and all these things. And it can feel like I don't really have a great answer because the only answer I really do have is this answer that sounds really churchy and really trite and really cliche. When in fact, it is the only answer that we can give. Because mm-hmm. it's the only answer out there. There's no other answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the Bible says there's no other name under which we might be saved under heaven except for the name of Jesus. And yes, that sounds very churchy because we've grown up in the church and we're used to think, I mean, it's become almost uh, like, what is it? What's the phrase about um, familiarity and contempt? Yeah. Right. Familiar breeds contempt, contempt, right? Like, so there's a sense in which because we're so familiar with it, it has kind of bred a little bit of contempt in our life. We just don't take it as seriously. And yet fundamentally, when you take that step back, you realize, oh, it doesn't get more serious than this. Right. And I can remember when I came to faith in Jesus Christ as a college student, and I can remember how radical the shift was. Like radical, 180 degree turn, like no looking back. Like it was radical. I was one way one day, and I was another way the next day. And it didn't mean that I had it all figured out, but I, I was a new creation, mm. like the Bible talks about. Yeah. So I think on some level, we have to get down there. You got to right. get down there to that level, and there's no way to legislate it, Mm-mm. and there is no way to uh, socially engineer it, right? <laughs> I mean, there's no way to do that, even though we try yeah. in our world, right? You know, we're going to say, oh, you know what? Let's have the kingdom without the king. Let's, yeah. let's, let's do it the way of Jesus, but let's actually put Jesus to the side. We'll actually, I've had people say this to me, Doug, just focus on Jesus's ethics and not Jesus himself. Hmm. And I'm like, That's yeah, so that you, you can't do that. Right. One naturally follows the other, because it's not about living from the outside in, it's about living from the inside out. Right. So it's just really fascinating to me, like, how do you, you, know, how do you talk to people about that? Because that's, again, the fundamental answer. And if people don't find that compelling in our world anymore, so then, again, what, what, what is the answer? So this is where I, I kind of begin to push back and say, okay, so let's say, if you say it's not sin, if you say that fundamentally human beings are good people, 
They're not born into sin. That's a that's a old-fashioned, nonsensical idea. You know, we should reject that. You know, the Bible's just sort of ancient Near East literature. Mm. We're modern now. We can like put all that aside, close that book, put it aside. Then on some level, you do have to find an you still have to find an explanation for why there's so much evil in the world. Right. I just gave you the Bible's explanation. Just gave you Jesus's explanation. You give me a more compelling explanation than that. And it's interesting to me because that I don't hear a lot no, from they'll folks. they'll say, well, there's bad people. They'll, they'll say there's bad and people. they're never that person. And they, that's right. They're never that bad person. <laughs> yeah, that's there's exactly just a few right. bad... That's it's, right. I think I've said this yeah. before, but yeah. you ask kids, you know, well, who's in hell? Yeah. And the only person who's in hell Hitler. is Hitler. Well, right? Hitler for sure. Everybody, yeah, that's yeah. right. Everybody Nobody else, else is. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it's right. It's right. amazing to me. Yeah. Ask kids yeah. like, uh, okay, what if I take that away? Right. Who deserves hell? Like, yeah. uh, Hitler again. Hitler again. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. He's the top of the list, man. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's. Everybody compares themselves to Hitler and it comes off like looking better, strangely. <laughs> I know. Enough, right? it's, you it's, know? Yeah, shocking. It really, I mean, it really is. Like, we can, you can easily identify like the Hitlers, the Stalins, the Maos, the Pol Pots. I mean, like the Ted Bundys, the, you know, you can yeah, go no, down. My students, they stop at Hitler. Yeah, you're right. You can go down the whole <laughs> list. And actually, Ted Bundy gave his life to Christ before yes, he, yeah. you know, was executed. So, okay, you know, there you go. But, but you can go down like the whole list of like the really truly like evil people, but then you start like actually walking people through and walk their own lives, their own experience of life, and the ways that they have actually been a perpetrator, mm, not just a yeah. victim. And all of a sudden, they begin to realize, oh wait a minute, like I, I'm as much impacted by this as anybody. And I, I don't know about you, but I still have yet to meet anyone, anywhere, who claims to be perfect. Like, literally no one says that. Which yeah. means on some level, we're all conscious of the fact... That we're imperfect. That there's something inside us that is broken. Yeah. And again, I'm like, what do you, so what do you call that? And they don't really have an answer for that. Right. And I said, well, I've got an answer. It's called, again, that's what we call sin. sin. That's what that is. Here's where it came from. Here's why it impacts every single human being, you know? Yeah. And here's why it's led to so much pain over the course of, you know, X number of, you know, ten, tens of thousands of years of recorded human history. Yeah. It's because of this, you know? Um, in fact, I've often said that, you know, the really the only empirically sort of um, provable doctrine you know, not that you can necessarily have empirical proof for doctrine, right? Okay, yeah. But but if you had to pick one, original sin, you got some pretty good. Data. You got some pretty good evidence. <laughs> Just look at human history. Yeah. Uh, you know, Just I look mean, at your own kid. Or yeah, or I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like your own life experience. Like, uh, you know, of all the doctrines that we have out there, that one you might be able to objectively demonstrate. Yes. As to be true. Yeah. You know. I, yeah, and it just boils down to the, mm -hmm. we want, we all want the same thing. Right. We want a good life. We want happiness. We want to avoid evil. Right. We want peace. We want all these things. And it's a matter of what are you doing right. to, like you said, push back the symptoms in terms of the chaos right, and right. the injustice and, and right. all of that. And what is, what is your ultimate solution? Right. And if it's something as simple and tried as, well, just be a good person, 
right. you haven't done the intellectual work to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You need to define goodness. Goodness has to be outside yourself. Otherwise everybody judges themselves as good. Right. So you need an external judge. I mean, you can get all these things that it reminds me of, I can't remember if it was campus crusade um, or InterVarsity that put out the, the four step, like the four spiritual laws yeah, was crusade. pamphlet. Yeah. Was that crusade mm-hmm. in like the seventies or something yeah. like mm-hmm. that. Right. And I remember seeing, and I I actually had a physical copy mm-hmm. with the drawings. And some of you've seen that where there's, you know, there's a picture of the person, you know, it says you, and there's a picture of God and then yeah. the cliffs separate. Right. And then there's the cross that comes up in the yeah. middle and then the person walks across it. And my first reaction to that was, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And then growing up, I thought, you know, how simplistic. Right. And just condemning it as, oh my gosh, there's so much more to right. salvation and where's the justification and the sanctification and right. thinking, man, I am so far beyond the four yeah. spiritual laws. And I've, I've mentioned this before with Carl mm-hmm. Bart saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. Yeah. Yeah. For the Bible tells me so. And every time... I find myself drifting towards making the gospel complex. Yeah. I just go back to these, yeah, you know what the problem is? It, it's sin. And that's you know right. what the answer is? It's Jesus. Well, that's right. I mean, it really does kind of come down to that. <laughs> I mean, so... you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's where I think, I, I think the reason why we struggle with that on, on a fundamental level is because we all want to have a share in our salvation. We all want to be able to play a role in saving ourselves. Yeah. And so we've got to make it complex. Either, you know, you got to know a certain amount of doctrine before you're really saved. Right. You know, it can't be as simple as I gave my life to Christ. No, it can't be that simple. You know, a child gives their life to Christ and we kind of poo poo that once well, a kid. Well, what? I mean, why is that? any less significant in their life than it is for an adult. Mm. What is it about me being an adult that makes that a more significant commitment than a child? Right. You know, Oh, well you don't have your ordo salutis, right? Okay. I'm not even sure what ordo salutis is. Like, yeah, what are we that, even talking exactly about? Right. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the kind of like nonsense we like go down and it's not that doctrine isn't important. And it's not that, you know, spiritual growth isn't important. It's not that spiritual maturity isn't important. Like all of these things are really important. As you get older, absolutely, you should grow in your understanding and knowledge of God and all of those things and what salvation means. But fundamentally, why can't a five or six-year-old child give their life to Jesus Christ? Right. Jesus himself says that we should all have like the faith of a child. Like, why is that on some level simplistic or insignificant in comparison to you know, an adult who might give their lives to Jesus. And I think, again, it comes down to we fundamentally want, we, we struggle fundamentally with this idea that sin is a power, and the only way to break that power is with a greater power. And neither of these powers are within our grasp. Mm-hmm. They're both beyond us. And, the, and so the only way to break the power of sin in our lives, which absolutely enslaves us, we can't escape it, is to turn to Christ who is the greater power, and let him break it. But then we are fully in his debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have done nothing for ourselves. And so um, I think, you know, again, when we talk about these things, evil, suffering, injustice, chaos, all of these big, big things that are happening around our world, the things that come across our news feeds, our, our social media feeds, whatever it might be, um, and we get overwhelmed, let, let that sense of being overwhelmed help you understand how 
incredibly powerful sin is, not just in your life, but around the world, and let it turn you back to Christ for an even greater power. I think of what John Newton, the, the famous hymn writer who wrote Amazing Grace once said, right? You know, I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. Yeah. Like, that's, that's literally, I think, like on his tombstone or something that's like that. Awesome. But I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's this understanding that, that Christ is greater. And, and thanks be to God for that. And yeah. so fundamentally, that's what we've been talking about as we talk about these objections. And so thanks as always, Robbie, for yeah. the conversation and for Jake and Billy behind the glass making us sound good. Again, please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus. We love your comments, love your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. Subscribe to stay tuned as we release more episodes in the weeks ahead. We'll talk to you next time.